Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. We've gone through the Silent Night Carol and talked about the fact that that evening was not as silent as we like to portray it. I mean, all the mothers in the, in the room recognize that it is not a silent night when you have a child with no meds. Um, and I know, I, I heard it on the way to church this morning, one of the Christmas carols saying, uh, no crying he makes. Yeah, right. Uh, he cried. He was human. He had skin on, flesh on, so we know Jesus probably cried. Uh, it, was, it was not a silent night. In fact, I've already made this statement to you. I want to recap just a little bit. I told you that the truth is, is that the night that Jesus was born was probably one of the loudest nights in the universe. In the natural, yes, there were sheep and shepherds and cattle lowing and uh, all, a busy city where they couldn't find any place to go into to, 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 to rest and to have this baby. So it was a very loud night in the natural, but it was also a very loud night in the supernatural. Angels singing, declarations going forth that he's the Savior, the Savior of the world being birthed into, into, into mankind, into flesh, moving into our neighborhood. That is not a quiet night. It's a loud night. And so we've been talking about the fact that we try to romanticize Christmas and make it about a silent night. And I have no issues with that. I kind of like it too. The only issue I have is that for most of us, we don't endure a silent night. We deal with silent nights. As loud as God was on the night that Jesus was born, most of us at some point in our experience with God, we are going to go through a silent season where it's hard to hear Him. And I can't quite comprehend how this works. I just know that although God has one of the loudest voices in the universe, haven't we discovered that He also has one of the most difficult voices to hear? It seems like when you need to hear him most, he goes quiet on you. And so we've talked about that. I've told you some things. I, I told you that you, in week one, I told you that you cannot confuse God's silence with his absence because just because you can't hear him doesn't mean he's not there. I told you that silence is a setup that he uses silence to position us. In fact, it was after a season of silence, 400 years of silence, that God's greatest miracle is birthed into the universe and so so silence for us is nothing more than a setup if we handle it correctly I've told you that when God isn't using his mouth he is still using his ears and so we have to learn to trust him last week we talked about the fact that God uses closed doors when you walk into a situation and the doors close on you it seems like God has gone silent but he actually uses closed doors I told you that he will book every hotel to keep you from checking into the wrong one I I told you he'll wreck your plans if he discovers that your plans are going to wreck you. And so he uses silence to speak to us. And so this morning I want us to continue and talk about silent nights. And so what do we do when you cannot hear God? So, so often, here's what happens. When you can't hear God, you feel alone. You feel absolutely alone. And so this morning I'm going to do something out of out of, or, out of the ordinary, I know that today is basically Christmas Sunday and I'm supposed to read the Christmas story to you. Um, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to exit the Christmas story this week at least and take you into a different passage into another account that is very loud. 
I'm drawn to this account because it is an extremely loud season. And then there's a, a season of silence that I want you to see. It's found in 2 Chronicles in the 32nd chapter. And although it's not the Christmas story, I think it speaks much like the Christmas story about God's ability to be so loud and then His unbelievable ability to be so quiet. 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 32 beginning in verse 1 says this, After these acts of faithfulness, Sennacherib, the king of Assyria, came and invaded Judah. And he besieged the fortified cities and thought to break into them for himself. Now when Hezekiah saw that Sennacherib had come and that he intended to make war on Jerusalem, he decided with his officers and his warriors to cut off the supply of water from the springs which were outside the city. And they helped him. So many people assembled and stopped up all the springs and the streams which flowed through the region saying, Why should the kings of Assyria come and find abundant water? And he took courage and he rebuilt all the wall that had been broken down and he erected towers on it. And he built another outside wall and strengthened the, the uh, My Milo, Milo in the city of David and made weapons and shields in great number. He appointed military officers over the people and gathered them to him in the square at the city gate and spoke encouragingly to them saying, be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be dismayed because of the king of Assyria, nor because of all the horde that is within him or with him. For the one with us is greater than the one with him. With him is only an army of flesh. But with us is the Lord our God to help us and to fight our battles. And the people relied on the words of Hezekiah, king of Judah. Verse 20. But King Hezekiah and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amos, prayed. And about, about this, and cried out to heaven, and the Lord sent an angel who destroyed every mighty warrior, commander, and officer in the camp of the king of Assyria. So he returned in shame to his own land, and when he had entered the temple of his God, some of his own children killed him there with the sword. So the Lord saved Hezekiah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem from the hand of Sennacherib, the king of Israel, or of Assyria, and from the hand of all the others, and guided them on every side. And many were bringing gifts to the Lord at Jerusalem and choice presents to Hezekiah, king of Judah, so that he was exalted in the sight of all the nations thereafter. In those days, Hezekiah became mortally ill. And he prayed to the Lord, and the Lord spoke to him and gave him a sign. Verse 27. Now Hezekiah had immense riches and honor, and he made for himself treasuries of silver, gold, precious stones, spices, shields, and all kinds of very valuable articles storehouses also for the produce of grain, wine, and oil, pens for all kinds of cattle and sheepfolds for the flock. He made cities for himself and acquired flocks and herds in abundance, for God had given him very great wealth. It was Hezekiah who stopped the upper outlet of the waters of Gahan and directed them to the west side of the city of David, and Hezekiah prospered in all that he did, even in the matters of the envoys of the uh, rulers of Babylon who sent to him to inquire of the wonder that had happened in the land. God, now here it is, God left him alone only to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. This is an interesting account to me. In 2 Chronicles chapter 32, what you discover is you discover basically a brag session about a guy by the name of Hezekiah. Wrapped up in this chapter, it seems like over and over again, everything that Hezekiah does works out. Don't you hate those kind of people? 
Everything they touch seems to prosper. In fact, you begin to read about it, and what you recognize is that Hezekiah stepped up as a leader. He rallied and repaired the people in the city of God. God honors his prayers, and imposing enemy is defeated completely. He's blessed. He's prospered. The hand of God enables him so strongly that he begins to touch things, and they, they flourish. He, uh, he gathers for himself great wealth. He has silver. He has gold. He has precious stones. He has sheep. He has goats. He's got cows. He's got, I mean, he's got everything you can get. He's blessed. It's a prosperous season for him. In fact, he's TV and ready. Um, y'all, y'all don't know nothing about that. See, he could have he gone on a tour as a prosperity pe- preacher because it seems like, in, at least in his situation, everything that he touches turns to gold. That's that whole chapter is about he did this and it worked out and he did this and it worked out and he, he got sick and he got healed. He, he, he needed supplies and he got supplies. He, he faced an enemy and he wins the victory and doesn't even have to fight. It's crazy. And it seems that every question he has is met with an answer. And every decision that he must make is made with direction straightly from God, straight from God. Every prayer he prays, this really makes you hate him, is answered. I mean, he didn't have any of those prayers that you pray and you never hear anything back. He, he, he prays and immediately there's an answer. God is anything but silent in Second Chronicles chapter 32. In fact, he's very loud. It is a loud season until you get to verse 31. You read all these things that happen. Hezekiah's been so blessed and so successful, and he's been so instrumental in the renewal and the restoration of the land that now what takes place is that the rulers from Babylon begin to hear about the success that he's had, and the acclaim goes out, and they begin to read the newspaper clippings, and they look him up on the web, and it says, Prosperous. And they find out what's taking place, and they are so interested that they send envoys. That's a fancy word for spies. They send envoys to find out what is taking place and to see it for for themselves. And then in an almost a missed statement in verse 31, verse 31 explodes into this account of bragging. And all of a sudden, out out of this season of answers and miracles and intervention and victories and direction, and now out of nowhere, verse 31 says that God goes absolutely silent. In fact, verse 31, I think, gives us the clearest definition of what God's silence feels like. Anybody that has ever experienced, now if you never experienced silence, don't amen me because you don't understand this. You may think you understand this, but you don't really understand this. If you've ever endured a, a season of silence with God, then you will recognize that verse 31 is the clearest definition of silence when you're enduring that from, with God. When it says God left him alone he was home alone all by himself see I struggle with that because I also know that scripture says and teaches us that God will never leave us or forsake us so is there a contradiction here? I mean, God, are you, are you overriding the, the, the principles and your own rules that you said you would never leave me and you would never forsake me? But now in black and white, it says, God, you left him alone. The truth is, is that God does never leave us 
nor forsake us. But what verse 31 teaches us is this. It's a valuable lesson about the silence of God that you've got to get into your own life because if you have not experienced a season of silence, you will. And so you better learn this lesson right here. Learn this here. This is what it teaches us. What it teaches us is that God will not leave you, but he will leave you alone. I'm going to say that again because I think you need to get that on Christmas week. God will not leave you, but he will leave you alone. I, I, I just got to be honest with you. I don't like that statement. It seems mean. It seems hurtful. But haven't you ever felt like God has walked away or left you all by yourself? I, I mean, you thought you heard God say, get married, and you did. And then you found out you were all alone. Haven't you heard God say, take that job, and you take the job, and you, you quit your favorite dream job, and you take this job because you thought you heard God say, take this job, and you walk into the first Monday morning in the office, and you go, God, what's going on? I feel all alone. You, you, you say, I, I heard God say, buy, and I heard God say, sell, and I obeyed, and now I feel like I'm all by myself. You say, I heard God say quit. So I quit. And then I couldn't find a job. And now I'm all by myself. And what happens is, is, is that not only does heaven go silent, we begin to wonder if heaven went vacant. Because we're all by, we feel, that's what God's silence feels like. We feel like we're all by ourselves. We feel abandoned. We feel like nobody understands. We feel, I hear it all the time. When somebody's struggling, they go, nobody cares. Nobody understands. I'm all by myself. I'm alone. In pain, alone. In the valley of decision, alone. In the battle, alone. But what I want to show you this morning is that for our own good, we've got to recognize that God will not leave us, but he will leave us alone. Because what you've got to do is you've got to keep reading. Uh, if you're not careful, we read the first part of that passage in verse 31, and we don't read it all. Because we focus and, and we, we stagnate on that passage that says God left him alone. But you got to read past that moment and recognize and notice what it says again. It says God left him alone, catch this, only to test him that he might know all that was in his heart. Hezekiah has been extremely successful in the volume of God. While God is being loud, some of you have been in this season yourself. While God is talking, you're successful. While you can hear him, he's successful. It always seems that we're more successful when we are able to discern the voice of God and hear the voice of God. Hezekiah has been extremely prosperous in the volume of God. But in the moment that God goes silent, Hezekiah suffers in that silence. In fact, what you discover is that although Hezekiah has been blessed with all these um, weeks and months and perhaps even years of volume where God seems to be working everything out and I can hear him and I can find direction and I, and I know his voice and he's leading me and guiding me and he's so successful and all that, then he has one moment of silence and he fails miserably. 
He couldn't handle one moment of silence. He trusted God when he could hear God, but the silence so rattles him that the Bible says that he ends up showing the enemy everything that's in his household. In fact, what happens is the Babylonians send these spies to find out what's happening in the land. And in a moment of silence, Hezekiah opens up his entire storehouse and shows them all the gold and all the silver and all the cattle and all the riches and all the swords and all the shields. He shows them everything when God left him alone. The only problem with that is that later, if you go and... I'll let you read this for yourself. In Isaiah chapter 38 and 39, what you discover is that by Hezekiah showing the Babylonians everything that he had, it leads to an invasion, and everything he shows the Babylonians is taken away into captivity. See, what happens if we're not careful is that what we do is we fixate on the fact that we are being left alone and we fail to realize that God uses silence to reveal what is in our hearts. And what happens in that moment, in that moment of silence, is Hezekiah shows God that he's proud. That's why he showed him everything. He was bragging, and he didn't give God credit. Y'all missed that. Okay. See, what I've discovered is this. I want you to catch this. There there are two statements I'm going to make this morning that if you don't get anything else, I want you to get. And this is one of them, and one will come later. I need you to catch this. I need you to understand this. God's voice fills us, but his silence reveals us. See, I, I, I'm not really one to, to uh, have a parade for you when you're hearing God. When, when everything you touch, like you go out and your mailbox and you open it and there's like $50,000 check in there and, you, and, and God is so good and like your kids are making straight A's and they're not even studying. And your dog is always obedient. And your boss is always nice to you. And nobody ever says anything about bad about you. And your marriage is always perfect. And you never get sick. And your hair never falls out. And you eat all the chocolate during Christmas you want to. And, and you actually lose weight. I am not going to throw a parade for you. Because it's easy to hear God in those moments. When we need to throw parades for people is when people are going through hell. When their marriage has fallen apart and their kids have rebelled and they're not making it and they don't have any food and they don't know what they're going to do and they, everything they seem to touch falls apart and yet they still remain faithful to God and they don't get down in the dumps and they don't go oh, doom and despair. Nobody cares about me. Nobody, And their head is up and they say God is good and His mercy endures forever and His kindness draws me when they stay true at that moment the silence of God reveals in them that they know God. In other words, if you are in a season of silent nights where you feel home alone, you need to know that you are in fact being tested. Silence is one of God's greatest and most misunderstood and most hated Teaching techniques. He uses silence. Uh, There's a a chess master who is sought out as a mentor for other chess players. (laughs) Uh, Never mind. Uh, 
just had thought about if their whole life is wrapped up in ch- never mind, I, uh, whatever. Uh, Bruce Pandolfini was asked how he teaches his students. I want you to listen to what he said. He said, my lessons consist of a lot of silence. He said, I listen to other teachers and they're always talking, but I let my students think. He said, if I, if I do ask a question and I don't get the right answer, I'll rephrase the question and wait. I never give the answer. Then he goes on and he says this, most of us really don't appreciate the power of silence. Some of the most effective communication between student and teacher, between master players, is taking place during silent periods. So if God is silent with you right now, could it be that these silent nights are simply the master trying to communicate effectively to you so you will learn the lesson he's trying to teach? See, I, I, don't, I don't want you to suffer in silence. I, in the quiet of God, I want you to learn how to be just as successful in the noise of God. Because all of us have noisy seasons where everything seems to go right. But every one of us will have a silent night season where he goes quiet on us. And we feel like we've been left at home, at home all by ourselves, and there's nobody there. I don't want you to suffer in the silence. I want you to be successful in the silence. So let me tell you a couple things. In the quiet of God, you cannot afford to show the enemy everything. I say that because a lot of us, when we're not careful, when God goes silent on us, what we will do is we will invite the enemy into our life. Too many of us lay down our guard in silent moments. Well, I haven't heard God in a long time, so I guess I'll I'll watch this. Or I'll listen to this. Or I'll talk to them. In the silent moments, too many of us lay down our guard. Too many of us lower our standards. Well, God, I can't hear from you, and so I can't hear from you. Since I, since I can't hear from you, and I've been asking you, is he the right one? Then I guess I'll just lower my standards. I know he doesn't love you, and I know he doesn't read his word, and I know he spends more time in the bar than he... But, but, but because I haven't heard you. Too many of us cross lines we would never cross when God goes silent. I want to encourage you that in the silent seasons of your life, you have to be very careful about making major decisions. You're praying about whether you should get married and God's not saying anything? Pause until he says something. You're praying about getting out of a marriage. And you don't hear? Okay. You're praying about your job. You're praying about your kids. You're pray- Whatever you're praying about, if you don't hear anything, pause don't need to be making decisions during quiet seasons. Too many of us seek convenience during quiet times. Too many of us make the mistake of of mistaking enemies for friends during quiet seasons. Y'all missed that totally. This wasn't one of my two, but I'll add it. This is 2A. Too many of you mistake enemies for friends in quiet seasons. If, if everything had been going right and they came into your life, you'd go, uh-uh, you ain't, I'd kick you to the curb because you're not, 
you've proven yourself over a period of time. You are not my friend. You are an enemy, and I recognize. But in the quiet moments of life when God seems to have left us alone, too many of us will invite people into our inner circles and into our inner lives that we would have never allowed in, and we'll tell them everything. We will tell them everything. And then lo and behold, they drag us off into captivity, and we wonder why. So what do we do? Well, what we do is we trust God when we can't trace God. When you can't hear him, you still have to trust him. And so we realize that when God is silent, he hasn't left us. Even though he may be intentionally leaving us alone, he's only doing so to reveal our heart. So, so if you can't hear God, then most likely what that reveals is that you're right in the middle of a test. And how many of you know the teacher never talks to the student during the test? I don't know what kind of teachers you had in school. But I could raise my hand all day long in the middle of the test, and they would tell me to put my hand down. I know y'all got easy ones now. Y'all can raise your hand, they'll give you the answer. But not in my not when I was growing up, because I walked to school uphill both ways. But when I would raise my hand right in the middle of the math test because I didn't know how to do the problem, she didn't come and tell me the answer. She said, put your hand down. This is a test. Some of you keep raising your hand and God keeps saying, putting it down, put it down, put it down, and you never realize you're in the middle of a test. And if you would just stay faithful during the test. See, I want you to see, see, succeed not only in the loud moments, but to succeed in the silent moments too. Here it is right here. And this is crucial because this is the, the truth of what Hezekiah shows us because he blew it so bad. Listen, learn this lesson. Don't let a season of silence become a season of regret. Hezekiah shows those Babylonian spies everything that he has in the storehouse, and it results in everything, including his children, being dragged off into captivity. And so he trades in a season of silence for a season of regret. And a lot of us, because we're in the moment and we don't see past the moment and we can't get any perspective on the moment, we are enduring a season of silence. And if we're not careful, we will make decisions and choices that will lead to a season of regret. And although silence is painful, it's not nearly as painful as making choices that lead to lifelong regrets. When you roll over in the morning and you're married to somebody you shouldn't have married. When you laid the car down and paid for something that now you cannot afford and it's going to put you under. See, what happens is, is that seasons of silence become seasons of regret when we base our walk and our obedience and our faithfulness on our ability to hear rather than our ability to trust and obey. That was good. You don't shout me down. Uh, we, we trade in silence for regret. When we are so shallow and so infantile in our walk that we only know how to obey when we hear. And most of us, and most of you in this room, if not all, have been in this thing long enough that when God goes silent on you, 
you ought to trust him enough to continue on in the progress of your walk, whether you ever hear him again or not. Just saying. Don't judge me. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. It blows my mind that people who have been in relationship with the Lord for decades, when God suddenly goes silent, they go crazy. They lose their minds. How do I know? Because they do things they would have never done otherwise. Like they quit church. And they quit relationships. And they... It's supposed to be Christmas, Steve. Yeah. Merry Christmas. So what I'm saying to you is that when God's voice goes quiet, you must go on guard so that you don't become susceptible to man's voice. Isn't it interesting? It is to me that we have the tendency when God goes silent, suddenly your uncle sounds like God. And the person on Facebook suddenly sounds like God. So what they tell you, even though it's contrary to God's word, you will do because God's quiet. I just want to tell you this morning, this is this, this is just where I've landed in my life. There's only a couple people that sound like God to me anymore. There's a Holy Spirit sitting over there. So when she says no, I know God's speaking. It's the truth. It's the truth. Yeah, I don't like it, but it's the truth. Can I buy a Corvette? No. Shoot. I'll just have to pray. No, you don't even need to pray. He ain't changing his mind. I'm, I'm sitting somebody. I'm, every woman in the house should have just said, Amen. The only problem is, is the women, when, when God sounds like your husband. Okay. We like it that way. We don't like it the other way. Uh, my mom and dad, my accountability partners. So if that's the case and we've learned that, then why is it that when God goes silent on us, if we're not careful, we will substitute man's voice for God's voice? That's exactly what happens in Hezekiah's case. He can't hear God. The Babylonians come in and he substitutes voices and it leads to complete and total captivity through word. If you aren't careful in a season of silent nights, you will listen to people that sound like friends. And when you wake up six months later, you will find yourself in complete and total captivity. Why do you think alcoholics that get free in a season of silence return? Why do you think pornography addicts, after months and months and months of freedom in a silent season, log back in? Why do you think people that have been in relationship after relationship after relationship and God sets them free from that and all of a sudden they can't find anybody to date and about three months into the silence, boy, the first thing that walks in the door looks really good. You cannot allow seasons of silence to become seasons of regret. 
my gift to you this Christmas week is to try to help you to live through the silent moments and understand that God's not always loud. And although that he will not leave you, he will leave you alone to test what's in your heart. And I don't know where you've been. For some of you, 2013 has been an incredibly loud year. For others, 2013, it seems like the quietest year of your life. I don't know. I don't know what 2014 holds for you, but I would almost promise you that just about every one of us at some moment in this year coming up will have an extended moment or a period of time where you try to hear God and you can't hear Him and you feel home alone. And I'm just trying to help you realize that if it's quiet, it's just test that if you'll stay the course in the quiet moment you can stay out of captivity and that's how you succeed in silence father this morning as we think over loud seasons in your word where everything seems to go right And it seems like we can find you at every turn. Every question is met with an answer. Every prayer seems to be met with a response. God, there are some of us here today that are living in that moment right now. All is good. But, Father, there are also those of us in the room that are enduring and facing and confronted with A long season of silence. And God, if we were honest, we would admit that we feel like you've left us all by ourselves. And there are even moments that we wonder if you've abandoned us. We pray and we pray pray we fast and we pray we scream and we pray we cry and we pray nothing we're tired of the silence God for the folks that are enduring that I pray this season of silence would not become a season of regret and I pray that as silent as you may choose to be I pray that this morning you would speak to us this simple truth you leave us alone but you never leave us and you're watching us and you're testing us and you're revealing our heart God I pray that for those of us that are experiencing that silent season you would find us faithful and we would refuse to expose everything that we have to the enemy of our life and we refuse to make decisions that would land us in captivity because of silence and I pray that you would encourage those this morning that are facing silent seasons and allow them to stand strong and to stay the course until you speak again ask this 
for your glory and honor. Would you stand with me this morning? What I know to be true is that there are probably individuals in this room that feel like God has left them alone. I I mean, we, we quote verses of Scripture, He will never leave us nor forsake us, and we amen it because we're supposed to. But as we enter Christmas, I know that there are many people all around us that smile and sing Merry Christmas. That feel like God is nowhere to be found. They feel alone. That's not a fun place to be. Phone didn't ring when they thought it should have. Nobody's emailed them when they thought they should have. They just feel alone. fooling ourselves if we don't think there are people standing next to you right now that feel that way. The danger of that is that they could be right on the threshold of making decisions that would lead to a season of regret. And God has positioned you as Jesus with skin on to interrupt their silence just long enough to get their attention so they don't make stupid decisions. So if you're here this morning, this is going to take guts and I get it. If you're here this morning and you say, Steve, I feel totally alone. And I've prayed and I can't hear God and I feel alone. And I need somebody to remind me that God cares about me. If that's you this morning, would you take a huge step and leap of faith and just simply raise your hand and say, that's me. I feel totally abandoned and alone today. Yeah, there's one. Just keep it up. Anybody else that'd be brave enough to say, that's how I feel this morning. We won't think less of you because all of us are going to experience this if we have not already. Anybody else would be brave enough to say, hey, that's me. I'm suffering in silence right now. I need folks around the one individual. The rest of you, I want you to turn to your neighbor right now and engage them in prayer. Because some of us just aren't brave enough to admit it. And I want us to pray for one another this morning and love on each other for just a moment. Would you do that? Would you just step out? Maybe it's not the person next to you. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.